Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. They call this the balloon party, and yes, this is day two for me filling in for the great Tim McKernan, who will be back with you on Monday. My name is Dan McLaughlin, and yesterday we had Jeremy Rutherford on. We were talking hockey all hour. I just started just throwing him question after question after question. Boom, 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 right hook, left hook. He survived. Will Tim Peel survive this hour? We got Tim Peel, longtime NHL referee who calls St. Louis home now and has been kind enough to join us in studio. And, buddy, it's great to see you. Good to see you too, Danny. I uh, I heard you and Jr. yesterday. Jr. is the best. He's uh, he does a great job for the athletic, and he's a, he's just a good person. But he's got a wealth of knowledge too when it comes to hockey and so the did, Blues. Did you agree with anything we were talking about or no, not? No, no, I, I figured nothing. that would be the case. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, man? Everything? I'm good? great. I'm great. Just. Uh, it's been two years since I retired, and uh, people say, what are you doing? I go, I'm being a dad. You know, Bronson's 11, Brielle's 9, and so you think about it, for the Bronson, for the first nine years of his life, he didn't have, his dad wasn't around much. Exactly. You know, Tisha's, Tisha's taking him to Tisha, hockey practice. Yeah, taking him to hockey practice and taking him to tournaments and tying up his skates, and it's been nice the last two years to be able to coach him and, and just be a dad and be at home. I've always wanted to ask you, I've known you forever, we're good friends, but how did you come up with the name Bronson? I love that name. You know what? It's uh, it's a funny story. So, because I'm thinking action films and death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> who's the, the actor I'm thinking of? Charles Bronson. Thank you. Yes, and uh, so Tisha, my wife, we we kind of uh, battled for a, a couple months, going back and forth on names. And uh, one day we're at Miley's restaurant. You've eaten there before. And oh, her yeah. brother was in town from Illinois, and 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 Bronson's going to be born in like two weeks, and we still didn't have a name. Excuse me, and and uh, her brother Zach, right out of the blue, he goes, "How about Bronson?" And we looked at each other and we go, "Yep, Bronson. that's awesome." I man. know it's a great name. I love it. I want to go all over the board with you, and if you want to text in and and ask uh, Tim Peel a question about refereeing, getting your kids in that youth hockey, professional hockey, the NHL, whatever the case may be, uh, give us a text, and that is at three nine 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 four or excuse me three nine 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 six four six three nine 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 six four six. So I want to start with this. Uh, how many years in the NHL for you? 23. Wow, that's a long uh, yeah, time. Yeah, 1,362 games. It uh, goes by quick. It's funny. It's uh, when you start out, when I got hired back in 98, you're you're thinking at the time, man, I just hope I can last for four or five years. You know, I, maybe I can, you know, you, you don't think of 23 years. And, and uh, the next thing you know, you're, uh, you know, you're getting the, the golden watch and the gold watch and you're retiring. So. But that's the, the thing is, you're a young man. You keep yourself in great shape. It's a little different because I would see in Major League Baseball some of these guys that couldn't even move. And I'm like, 
Get him. Uh, it's it's n- enough, Uncle. It's too much. But in the NHL, it's a different story with you guys. Yeah, it really is. And and I've got a lot of friends that are MLB umpires, and you know Ronnie Culpa from St. Louis here. Sure. And I always joke with him that you know he th- he seems to think that umpiring is tougher tougher physically than than refereeing no hockey. No way. And uh, other than standing there in a hundred degree heat, it's <laughs> right. certainly not. And uh, but yeah, next time you go to a Blues game and the listeners out there watch the officials when they first. Come on the ice, they'll come out before the teams come out. These guys are incredible athletes now. The NHL has done a tremendous job of hiring young ex-players actually that can skate because you have to be able to skate now i remember the last couple of years of my career you know i was i was 55 when i retired and and i've got connor mcdavid coming down the wing and i'm skating backwards and he's skating forwards and and uh i felt like one of those turnstiles in the, at the new york subway <laughs> you know and 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 that, so basically you know towards the end of my career it was more reading the play and making sure, sure. that that i could stay out of the way but the point is tim peel is our guest, longtime NHL ref. The the NHL gives you a certain amount of years or till a certain age, correct? And then at that point, they kind of say, "All right, enough." And then you become a consultant, or they give you a good retirement plan, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's there's really you know because of I guess HR, they really can't put a an age limit on sure. it. Uh, most of our guys try to get to age fifty. Um, I was fortunate enough to get to fifty five. Um, but it's, there's really not a time limit on it. It's really, you know, I was fortunate enough that, that I worked the playoffs, uh, every year that I was in the league other than the first couple when I, when I first got hired. And it's basically, you know, if the longer you can last, it's probably because you're working playoffs and, and they can count on you. Sure. It's interesting too, is that, uh, you're now what, 57 years old. So 57, how many years were you in the, uh, the minor? leagues or even just getting a start with college hockey, those kind of things to say, I'm gravitating towards being an NHL ref. Yeah. I, well, I started when I was 13 years old and I grew up in a small town in Canada and uh, 1,500 people. And, and in the summertime, uh, I grew, you know, I uh, grew up in a trailer park. We didn't have uh, much money. And, and the trailer park that I lived in uh, was next door to this country club, and I certainly wasn't a member of the country club. <laughs> and uh, mom and dad, one day, I was bored, of course, in the summertime, and they're like, hey, why don't you go over and see if you can get a job caddy? And so I went over, I got a job caddy, and next thing you know, I was working in the pro shop, cleaning clubs, all that kind of stuff. So then when the fall rolled around, I missed having the spending money. And I was 13 at the time, and mom and dad were like, why don't you start reffing the six-year, six-year-olds, the eight-year-olds? And and that's how I got into it. And, and next thing you know, it, it gets into your blood and I enjoyed it. And once I realized that, uh, you know, I wasn't, a, I was always a good skater, but I wasn't a very good hockey player. And once I realized that my dream of playing in the NHL was, was done, I, I kind of, refocused and said, well, maybe I can do it as, uh, maybe I can get to the NHL as a, as an official. What part of Canada did you uh, grow New, up in? New Brunswick. It's very uh, east coast beside uh, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia. Beautiful country, uh, long winters, short summers, and uh, but it was a great place to grow up. Uh, I'm kind of, I feel 
I wish my kids maybe could ex- could experience that lifestyle growing up. It was a great, it was a simple way of life back then, and uh, not to be old, but you know, you and I, we see it now with our kids and cell phones and social media and TikTok and you know, growing up, I liked the era that I grew up in. Sure, it was a simple way of life. We were playing outside. It was all easier the time. to be was, a kid then. It was easy. We, we this trailer park we lived in, like I said, was next to the golf course, and in the winter time. We would take our hockey nets and cut through the woods, and, and hole number 12 had a par five, was a par five, and at the bottom of this, uh, at the fairway, was this pond, and we would play hockey there, Danny, for hours and until it was dark out. And now, if my kids go for a bike ride, I'm I'm looking to, you know, where are they? Or exactly. Are they? And we, we would Life go Life 360, over buddy. Life, I, I got it on yeah, the phone. I know. And uh, it was just, it was a great way of life. I loved it. You uh, you were adopted, correct? I was. I was. Uh, uh, my mom, my birth mother was uh, was in, in high school and uh, fooling around with an Italian guy and got pregnant. And back then, 1966, there weren't a lot of uh, single mothers. So she put me up for adoption. And uh, I was in an orphanage for, for a while. And then I got adopted by this family. And we and this was in Toronto. We moved to uh, the East Coast shortly after. And then uh, I, I, growing up, people said, you know, when did you find out you were adopted? I said, I don't really know because it really... Uh, wasn't a big deal f- back then. My mom and dad, you know, I had an older sister and being adopted, you know, I, I was pretty good in sports. So all my buddies that I played soccer and hockey with and so on, they're like, you're not adopted. You look like you're dead. It wasn't an issue where sometimes yeah. maybe kids get teased or whatever or picked on. It wasn't like that at all. And, and so I had no, uh, uh, desire really to even find out who my birth parents were until my mom, unfortunately, she died of cancer at age 50. And Your birth and, mom? Yeah. And, uh, no, my adopted okay, mom. Okay, your adopted mom. My adopted <clears throat> mom. And, and she died of uh, of cancer at age 50. And so, you know, you kind of... You kind of uh, think a lot about life back then and, and you know, you're not going to have your mother at your wedding and all these things go through your mind. So I, I found this lady in, out of Toronto and she turns out she found my birth mother and, and you know, we're, we're, she had two boys and Donnie and Mike and Don was just down with his family uh, two weeks ago from Toronto visiting. It's, right? it's, it's, we've gone to Disney together as families. It's a, it's actually a really feel good story. That's now. amazing, Yeah, I'm man. very lucky. I've got this other family that I never knew that I had. And and goosebumps listening to yeah, this. Yeah, and uh, and my brothers. I'll never forget. I always, I, I, I usually tear up. But when I tell this story, and I told it to Don and and his wife when they were here a couple weeks ago, my brother Don, I said I'll never forget the first time I met you in Toronto. I flew to flew to Toronto from Moncton, uh, New Brunswick. And they pick me up at the at the airport, bring me to this house. They have this big party, and Don and Mike were football players. They were in, in just out of uh, high school then, and all their buddies came over. And the first night, they're like, "This is my brother Tim. This is my brother Tim." Not once did they say, "This is my half brother." Yeah. This is my this. You know what? And we just hit it off, and I've you know it's been thirty years now, twenty seven years since I've been a part of their family so i'm very lucky that's amazing it's an amazing story i would assume that you have a special place for kids that have been adopted 100 percent. you know i think if uh if my wife and i we we talked about it because we had a little difficulty having bronson and and yeah i 
I, it would be something that, that I would consider if we weren't able to have our own kids. And kids always, uh, I always have a soft spot for kids. I didn't mean this to turn into Oprah Winfrey no, on no, you. No, that's okay. Because I, I do want to ask you, like, the best hits you've seen and the fastest skaters yeah, yeah. and things like that. But Tim Peel's our guest. He's been kind enough to come in. Longtime NHL referee, longtime buddy of mine, and uh, can't thank him enough for doing this. If you'd like to text in a question about hockey, about officiating, about being a referee, please make sure we do this. Let's go 399. 399- 9646 uh, I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. This is the Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. This is the Balloon Party. He'll be back with you on Monday. Tim Peel, longtime NHL referee, is in studio. We've got a ton of texts, and one of them is really easy from the 314. Why and how did you wind up staying in St. Louis and making this your permanent home? That's a great question. And uh, In 2001, I was living in Toronto, tired of the Canadian tax system. Oh, it's uh, always about taxes. (laughs) And I asked the NHL to move me to St. Louis, or to, to to the U.S. and Don Koharski, the longtime referee, was 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 living here in St. Louis, and he's like, "Peelzy, you got to try St. Louis. It's an awesome place, uh, great way of life here. People are fantastic." And I moved here, and. The first year or so, Danny, I wasn't sure if I really liked it. You know, I, I was single. I'd go out and people were asking me where I went to high school. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm 32 years old, you know. And uh, and then, you know, it's, it's funny because people... Uh, you know, I didn't know a lot of people. And Kelly Chase, obviously everyone knows Chaser, took me under his wing and takes me into OB Clark. So I don't know anybody. Picture, picture, picture this. I don't know anybody. Chaser starts to introduce me to people. He takes me into OB Clark's. I meet Jimmy O'Brien. I'd go in and get a pizza, and you were there longer than uh, some of the polls and pictures that had been <laughs> yeah, up for years. So. 2004, during the year-long lockout, Big Walt and I spent a lot of time there. And uh, and then Chase introduced me to the Tony Sansone. So all of a sudden, between Jimmy O'Brien, Tony Sansone, and Kelly Chase, I You're went from a lot of nobody people. to everybody. And then a few years later, met my wife, and it's the best. It was honestly the best thing I ever did in my life, besides getting married and having kids, was moving to St. Louis. I love it here, and. Uh, uh, it's just a great, great community, great sports town, which I love, and and uh, it was the best decision I made. Six three six says there's some uh, leagues, minor leagues that are banning hockey. Or, excuse me, banning fighting in hockey. Do you see that ever happening in the NHL? You know what? I saw that today. The Quebec Major Junior League are, yep. are banning fighting for this upcoming season. I'm really torn with that question, and and I've I commented on social media a few times last year. I'm surprised that nobody has seriously been injured, and what I'm, and I don't really want to go down that at the NHL level or just at any level with fighting. At the NHL level, I mean somebody possibly, you know, passing away from getting in a hockey fight, and and what I mean is is falling with you know they lose their helmet they fall and hit their head on the ice it could be tragic but here's the other thing though just to to take it a little bit further like if you watch the bob probert documentary i don't know if you saw that you could see that it may not have happened on the ice on october 12th on opening night for the detroit red wings but then fast forward 15 years 
and it did. You know, right. he had the residual effect of concussions, Correct. and a lot of people thought that was from the fighting. Now, it could have come, obviously, from playing hockey and the hits and those kind of things, and maybe a culmination of all of them. But you do wonder about the residual effect of the fighting on these guys. You do. Like, you know, CTE is obviously a, a real thing. and I, I But I think I see as many or probably more concussions in the NHL from just hard hits. And, you know, you... You you talked to Chaser and these guys, Tony Twist and these guys, Reed Lowe, that were really tough. I don't know if they had a lot of concussions during a fight. I think most of them are from bad hits in the NHL. Um, but there, you're right. There's there is a residual effect. I I don't. It's part of the sport. I, it though. is part of the sport. But things evolve and things change. I don't know if they'll ever completely take it out because I think that. Is you know my role as an official is to to police the game, but the players also also need to police themselves. Hundred percent. And when hundred percent, when you get a player out there that's taking liberties on a Sidney Crosby or an Alex, Alexander Ovechkin, you need a Ryan Reeves to come in there and say, hey, hey, this is our star player. You you got you know. So it's a tough one. Yeah, uh, it is. I I don't think they'll ever ban it. I don't either. But. Never seen anybody go uh, to the bathroom or go to uh, you no. know the refrigerator when a fight's going on. I mean, people it's the whether best. You, it's it, the best. people love it, you man. Um, this is from the six three six, and I was going to ask you about this. But what is the funniest thing someone chirped at you and made you actually lose your composure on the ice? Because well, there's some chirping, man, all the time. Yeah, there, there's Sean Avery, who was a very colorful, colorful person in the NHL. He would just say the the most obscene things to players but a lot of stuff that I can't repeat on the radio but one night <laughs> one night he's, we're, we're in Madison Square Garden and Tyler Kennedy pay, played for uh, Pittsburgh and Avery's playing for the New York Rangers and he keeps calling them pig nose hey pig nose hey pig nose and, and I'm like why finally I go to Avery I go why are you calling Tyler Kennedy pig nose and he goes Peelzy, have you ever looked at his nose? And I looked over, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's going to have a big nose. <laughs> and I'm like, but where did that even come into your into your yeah. mindset that you're going to call a guy pig nose? So. I would laugh. I mean, oh, I, I did. I started laughing. And you're buddies I, with some of these yeah, guys, you know. It's yeah. just part of the business. Um, greatest leader on the ice that you ever refed a game for. That's from the 314. And thanks for the text. These are fun. That's uh, that's a tough question because there, there were a few, but I would say... Steve Eiserman, Joe Sackick, um, Chris Pronger was a Chris, pretty darn good leader. Well, I was going to say Al McGinnis. Yep. And uh, those are a few that at the top of my head. But I think Steve Eiserman, I had a lot of respect for Steve, even though I kicked him out of a game early in my career. He wouldn't talk to me for years. And then, and then, uh, it was funny last summer I went up to uh, Michigan to play golf with Panger, and and we it was I, I was like. Here's a kid from New Brunswick, Canada, and our foursome was Kenny Holland, the GM of the Oilers, Steve Eiserman, the GM of of uh, Detroit, Panger, and myself. And uh, <laughs> that's a great foursome. And, yeah, it was fantastic, and and Steve and I laughed about it and joked about it. And that's the great thing about hockey is is that you would get into it. There would be many games you would get into it with a player, and then you'd see them after the game, and it was completely forgotten. Yeah. That's the great thing about hockey players and the relationships that they had with the officials is they knew that we're, you know, 
a quick story for our listeners when and most of the people know what happened to me at the end of my career and there was a player and for uh, people that don't get into it too you yeah. can you can explain it here and then yeah, we'll get into you know, what you're saying yeah i got uh was was picked up on a microphone saying that i wanted to get a penalty against nashville and my the verbiage just came out wrong i didn't want to get a penalty against nashville we called two penalties against nashville the entire game they win the game but it was caught up and the perception was that maybe nhl officials uh Go out there with a preconceived yep. notions, and that couldn't be it's further ridiculous. from the truth. And, and I, I, by the way, I'm a hundred percent on your side. Okay, yeah, no, and, I know that. I, and you were ridiculous. from day one. You were from day one, and, I, and I'll never happened, forget that. Even up, and that's how things it, happen. Listen, I tell people, I go, if you don't think it happens in baseball, I'll watch a, a, a baseball game, and and there's a you know. A, the umpire calls two balls in a row and he's painting the line and the pitcher's like, come on. And the next one may be even more outside and the guy, the umpire calls a strike because it's about managing the game. And if anybody doesn't think that the game has to be managed, the players expect it, the, the uh, general managers, the coaches expect it. And you don't, you don't survive for 23 years in the NHL. If you don't know when to call a penalty at a certain time, when to, lower the temperature of the game that's what makes a good official is is reading the game so anyway this so that happened and obviously i i got sent home and and uh early retired because i was retiring literally four weeks to the day and so i'm driving home that morning from nashville and the nhl called me at uh, 7 30 in the morning they said where are you i said i'm at the airport and they said well unfortunately you've worked your last game in the nhl wow. and i said okay and i lit danny I I said the conversation literally was 15 seconds because I knew the decision was made by by Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. So there was no groveling by me. Oh, please don't. I said, okay, I got to let you go and I got to get on a flight. So I get on the flight and I fly home and and my phone, obviously, you know, it was blowing up. It was kind of a big deal. It was on Fox. It was on CNN. I was in People magazine. It was it, it just became this big thing. And so I'm driving home and I get this phone call and it's from this, it's unknown number and I answer it and it's David Clarkson and David Clarkson played for Jersey, Columbus, Toronto, hated referees, literally hated. I thought he hated me and we got into more, you know, yelling matches on the ice and, and, uh, so he he called he I answered the phone he goes hey it's uh, David Clarkson and literally for a split second I thought he was going to say it looks good on you I'm glad and I go hey David how are you and he goes I just want to let you know I just got off the ice here and I'm retired now and live in Denver and I'm playing with some ex players and we heard about what happened when we got off the ice and and he goes I just want to let you know something he goes when I would see your name on the board in the dressing room before the game he goes I knew I had one of the best refs but I knew I had one of the most one of the fairest refs. And he said, I just want to let you know that because I know we didn't it's have fantastic. the best. And that meant so much to me from a, a guy that I didn't even think liked me mm-hmm. and or liked officials. So you never, that's all, you, Bill, Bill McCreary, a longtime referee, told me once, he goes, you never want to be liked by everybody because you're not going to be liked by everybody, but you want to be respected by everybody. Yeah. And that's what I tried to do on the ice. So You're yeah. one of the best, buddy. I'm, I know that for sure. Which leads me to this, and it's an interesting question from the 314. Is there something in place for referees for mental wellness? And if you think about it, if you're a ref or an umpire, or whatever your sport that you're trying to moderate, let's say, 
uh, you're getting destroyed by the fans. Mm-hmm. Good call, bad call, it doesn't matter. No one says, boy, that was a great call. Way to go, Tim P. I mean, mm-hmm. rarely does that happen. You're, you're going to hear, you were awful. 50,000 people are booing you, whatever the case may be. Is there something in place like there, that for the for the officials? There is, uh, and that's a great question from whoever sent that in. Is, I actually it, texted myself. But yeah, whatever. exactly. <laughs> it, it's a great question. There is. They've got a program in place Good. Uh, for current officials. They have a program in, in place for retired officials, and I'm I'm you know I think mental uh, illness and mental wellness is obviously a a uh, topic that we need to talk about and and because, ev- because everybody goes through stuff, everybody goes through stuff, and I remember I can talk personally about it is I had my kids were born I'm driving down Highway 40 here. And I was still, I was refereeing and, you know, this is 10, 11 years ago. And I'm like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I got the best job in the world, getting paid great money. I've got a beautiful wife, two beautiful kids. What's wrong? And I reached out to the league and they hooked me up with somebody and, and, it, and it worked out for me. Subsequently, now fast forward two years later, after I retired, I'm still struggling with how my career ended. And... Everybody expects Tim Peel to walk into OB Clark's or walk into the golf course and and be that hey how hey Peelzy how everything's great. Well, guess what? Everything's not always great. Yeah. And and I reached out to the league about two or three months ago because somehow I need to get, my friends in that they don't give a, they don't care that that how my career ended. You know, I, we had a party at my house shortly after my release. And uh, shout out to my buddy, Andy Kaiser. And he, he, he lives in our cul-de-sac and all these friends came over and I could tell everybody was kind of walking around on eggshells. And I said, hey, everything's okay. I'm fine. It's all good. And Andy looked at me and he goes, Peels, he goes, you're not our friend because you're an NHL ref. You could have been a garbage man. He goes, you're our friend because of who you are as a person. So I need to quit worrying about what other people think because nobody really cares anymore. But I've had a tough time letting go of, you know, my kids didn't get to see me work my final game. I didn't get that that final game where you see it, Danny, when, when a ref retires now, the players are coming up to you, they're hugging you, shaking your hands. I didn't get to experience that. So I've somehow got to get over that because at the end of the day, and you know, you don't get to write your own story. Mm-hmm. And and so so I personally have to be strong and set an example for Bronson and Brielle that, hey, you're going to get kicked in the, you know what, a lot in your life, but it's how you come over on the other side. This is fantastic. Tim Peel is our guest, and this is 101 ESPN. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fabulous conversation that we're having both on the ice, off the ice, what life is like for Tim Peel, longtime NHL referee. Uh, I do want to get into some of the things that happen you know, on the ice. And one of the questions we've got from multiple people, and I really wanted to say, uh, ask this too, is just the, the, the rule in the game that you don't like, you know, something you'd say, man, I I'd take that out because I just don't like the rule. Yeah. It's uh there's not many. I, I like, I really like the way our, where, where our game is right now, the speed of the game, letting the, the, you know, we, we brought in, we didn't bring in new rules, but after the lockout in 2004, 2005, there was a crackdown on hooking, slashing, allowing the star players to really play. Because if you watch the, the highlights from, from 20 years ago, it's amazing that Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and these guys actually could accumulate so many points as they did because there was so much clutching and grabbing and hooking and holding. It was remarkable that Brett Hall could score you know, the goals that he did. No question. The only rule that I really don't like right now is... is it's. It used to be that we had discretion. If a player, usually a defenseman, flicks the puck out of the uh, off the playing surface across the glass, over the glass, that we, there used to be judgment that we could uh, determine whether it was intentional or or not. And now it's black and white. And I would hate to see a team that is in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. They're in <laughs> overtime, and this defenseman goes to shoot it down, and it goes over the it flips up because that's usually what yeah, happens. It just flips, it it just flips, yep. flips up, and it goes over, and he's sitting in the penalty box while his team gets scored upon, and 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 that's the reason that they, they that team loses. Because yeah. I, I think that would be terrible. So it's the only thing I think our game is in a really good place right now. Though, and that would be the only thing that I'd change. Uh, you mentioned Obi Clarkson. A shout out to Jimmy mm. and the gang over there, which is a great hockey place to go after games and really at, at any time. So uh, send the check in, Jimmy. Yeah. But um, after games, and a lot of times teams don't fly out after the game. It used to be standard. They would, you Correct. know, a visiting team comes in, play the game, boom, they fly out. That doesn't necessarily happen all the time anymore. So guys are looking to go get a bite to eat, have a couple of beers, sit around, enjoy themselves, talk about the game. So you roll in, let's say, did you have times, and certainly a lot of the, the Blues players would go there. Mm-hmm. I know Joel loved it. Joel Quenville, go there, get a yeah. pizza, hang yeah. out, talk about the game. And you roll in. Would you sit down with those guys and just start talking about the game? Usually. Or did you kind of say, well, I'm going to let those guys talk about it, let things simmer down, and I'll get them the next morning? You know, I was I was such good friends and, and still am with, with Keith Kachuk and Kelly Chase and and. You know, it's changed a lot now where, like, Connor McDavid, uh, Austin Matthews, I don't know if I really even had any conversations with those kids. Is that they, right? They don't want And they are kids. That's they're, a, they're kids. They're, it's a they're good way to put it. 22, 23 years old. They're, they're, that relationship that I had when I was in the league with, with a lot of players, it's not like that anymore. These guys, the, the young players, they're... 
the game's over. They're talking to their agent. They're talking to their parents. They're talking to their advisor. They're on the phone. And you just hit the one that's on nailed it on the, the you nailed it. They're on their phone. <laughs> They're on their phone. And and so I, I I know the league didn't like that I was kind of cozy with a few of the blues players, but at St. I would tell people it's kind of hard not to be at St. Louis summertime. You're going to play charity events and shout out to you for your I can't wait to play your in yours in October and the money you raise is incredible, Danny. Thank you. And and but it's such a small community, and we see it with Al and you know McGinnis and Chaser and Big Walt and the guys that retire and stay here. It was hard not to become friends with them. Absolutely. And so I go to OB's, and a funny, funny OB Clark story is with Walt, and it's during the lockout, no four oh five, and we're sitting around having a few beers, and I'm complaining to Walt because at the end of my career. If you if I pull up the my Marriott Bonvoy app, I stayed over four thousand nights at a Marriott hotel. It's amazing. And I I sit, I was checking into the Anaheim Marriott, and this young girl that was working at the front desk, she probably worked for Marriott for two weeks, and she goes, "Oh, Mr. Peel, congratulations on four thousand nights at." at our properties and I go it's pretty sad and she goes what do you mean I go well basically I checked in at age 40 and I checked out in it I checked out at age 50 I said I spent over 10 years of my life in a Marriott property so I'm complaining to Walt about all the travel and and all that and big Walt only only like Walt could, he takes a drink out of his beer and he sets it down he goes well I guess you should have been a better player <laughs> I had no comeback on that I'm like yep yeah, you're right the story about uh, big Walt he was there with Doug Waite one night and uh, I roll into to get a bite to eat at this this hotel facility hotel bar or whatever uh-huh. and I, I see those two sitting at the uh, at the bar and I said to the bartender or the waitress or waiter or whatever it was I said could you you know put a put a couple drinks on my my sure. tab I'd like to buy Walt and Doug Wade you know a couple drinks and so all of a sudden about half hour later I get this huge hand on the back of my neck <laughs> and I mean hard and I I'm like God stop you know and it's Walt he goes do you know how much money I make <laughs> I buy the drinks around here that's big Walt to a T he is he's so generous and you asked Bert Godin the longtime trainer that that worked for the Blues Walt would take care of of the trainers, the medical guys, you know, the guys that are picking up the laundry. Like, and that's what he's instilled to Matthew. Hundred percent. That's what he's instilled to Matthew and Brady is taking care of the guys that don't make the money that you do. And when I watch you know, them play, they remind me of him. They're, oh, they've got yeah. a little old school they, nastiness, rusty nail to them. They do. They're uh, they're incredible players, and I think uh, I think we really got to see uh, how good they are this year with Matthew going so far in the Stanley Cup final. And you know, playing with a broken sternum, like it's crazy, the guys, isn't they're, it? Just, they're just studs. The whole family is an incredible family. And you know, I joked with I joked with uh, Walt one day. I said, "Okay, let me get this straight." Matthew went to to college in in uh, or went to uh, play junior hockey in Canada. Free ride. Uh, Brady got a free ride, went to college. Taryn just got a free ride to to West Virginia field hockey. To, for field hockey. I said, all that five twenty five twenty nine money that you just and Chantel, just send that over to Bronson and Brielle, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he would if he could. Oh, yeah, the rich get richer, right? It's unbelievable. It all really three kids, is. it's incredible how good they are. It is. So. Tim Peel is our guest, longtime referee, and has been open and honest, and this has been great. I'm getting so much reaction on the text line, even from my cell phone, that people just, people love you, man. 
man. And, oh. and that's really the truth. I love you. I, I just think this is great to be able to do this on the air. And you and I have talked off the air a lot about these things. And before we started, I said, is there anything, you know, you don't need said, I'm an open book, which I loved, which is great to hear. Um, I want to ask you in life, in professional or just in maybe it bleeds over to your personal or professional life. Who's been the the person that's really, you know, helped you, guided you along what is a tough career to be an NHL referee? You know, there were there were certain guys that I looked up to when I first came in the league um, that uh, that helped me along the way. I, when I first came in the league, we had just gone to the two referee system, so four officials on the ice, and I'm working with Don Koharski, Bill McCreary, Mick Magoo, some famous referees that that had big personalities. It's a and tough name, Mick Magoo, for a referee. It's unbelievable. It's the funniest <laughs> thing ever, really. Like he's really good, though. Uh, he was a good ref, but the cartoon Mr. Exactly. Magoo. It's like it's you can't make that stuff up. Exactly. And uh, so there were a lot of guys that I that I relied on. Um, but I when I came in, I think I. Because I I felt like I needed to make a name for myself, and I think I came in too cocky, maybe a little arrogant, uh, and I figured it out probably the last 15 years of my career is is because there's a fine line between co- confidence and cockiness. hundred percent. And it's, yep. t- it, it, it takes you a while to figure that out in, 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 in anything, whether you're a referee or a broadcaster or just a pers- person in life, it's good to be confident, but there's a, there's a fine line of being cocky. So the last few years, it, it I think it helped me in my career and it, I worked bigger, bigger playoff games. And I, you know, I was fortunate enough. I got picked. There were seven of us that got picked to go work the Olympics in, in Sochi, uh, back in 2014. That was incredible. And so it helped me professionally in my career. But as far as, uh, mentors in my life and, and so on right now, Kelly Chase is, is one of those people that would do anything for anybody. And then, uh, Tony Sansone, Business wise, well, first of all, we're we're great friends, but just business wise, learning uh, from him and and getting advice from him, those are the kind of the guys that I lean on now. How about the rowdiest place that you would go into, and you may say, and I, I'm maybe putting words in your mouth, you may say, this can be a tough night. But man, it's going to be fun because they're going to be all over me. So let's go, New York City. Yeah, New York City. But the Garden, man, the Garden. It's 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 Madison Square Garden. Muhammad Ali fought there. Like, exactly. You know, for a kid, I every time I'd go there, I'd be like. You know, I, I grew up, Danny, in a town of fifteen hundred people in a trailer park, and now I'm I'm skating on the ice. I grew up for, in South St. Louis, and I was calling ex- the Big East, exactly. at the, at Madison Square Garden, exactly. And you're out there, and I was working a playoff game one night. It was Game Seven between Philly, Philadelphia, and the Rangers. Huge rivalry, and an hour and a half before the game, they're chanting "Let's go Rangers," and it still gives me chills because I came come out of the tunnel and and the lights are off, and the you know, the strobe lights are going, and you're like. I don't need a Red Bull tonight. Like, I don't need. <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm ready to skate through the wall here, and uh, and then the refs start chanting or the fans start chanting "Ref, you suck," and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, this is awesome." I got the fans. <laughs> it's like people. I, I always laugh when I when I go to a game now and I hear the fans yelling at the refs, and I'm like. They, if they had only had an idea that when I when I was on the ice and I'd hear it, I'd be smiling inside. Yes, uh, because it's like this is awesome. I got the man, I got the fans mad at me. Probably both teams are like this is going to be fun tonight. What, what's your advice for for young kids out there, whether they want to be an NHL official, referee, linesman, 
umpire in baseball. I don't care what it is. What, what's your advice? And, and by the way, give your social media stuff too out so that people can reach you if they, you know, parents out there and, and you want to give them some advice too. Yeah. Uh, at Tim C Peel 20 on Twitter, I'm on Facebook and, and Instagram, but uh, Tim C Peel 20 on Twitter. Uh, I think the, the most difficult thing is for young officials now is, is dealing with the, I call it the white noise, the the fan, the parents in the game, and I see it. Uh, I see it at the local rinks here. Uh, you know, they have this program in Canada, and I'd like to see them instituted here in the U.S. Where the if you're 14 and under, they wear a green uh, armband, and it kind of lets the parents know, hey, you're yelling at a 12 year old kid here for your for your 10 year old hockey son that that's playing you know at, at, at local minor hockey and you're yelling at a 12 year old kid that that is just out here to make money and try to and and also he's not volunteering his time because he is getting paid but without the rest we don't we don't have any games so it's just to try to try to just put that you know tr- try to block that as much as you can and i know it's difficult uh but that would be my my best advice for a young official. Tim Peel is our guest, and this is the Balloon Party. We'll wrap it up when we come back, but we still have about 10 minutes to go or so in the show, so stay with us on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I love podcasts, and uh, Tim Peel, who's our guest today, until 11 o'clock here on the Balloon Party. I'm filling in for Tim McKernan. My name is Dan McLaughlin, and Tim will be with you on Monday at 10 a.m. And this has been fun. Last couple of days talking hockey, something I love and was involved with, intimately involved with for so many years, even last year doing some blue stuff. But I love podcasts because I I get in my car and I just flip them on, and they're fun to listen to. I can't wait for this one. You've got a podcast. You reached out to Jeremy Roenick or Vice versa and you two yeah. are going to come together and do this yeah jr you know one of the most colorful uh u.s uh, born hockey players ever uh phenomenal career should he's in the u.s hockey hall of fame he should be in the in the big one in in toronto just like big walt yeah just like big walt exactly um but yeah jr we're gonna launch uh we're gonna launch our uh, own podcast uh our first episode is going to be october 4th it's called going to be called snipes and stripes and uh jr <laughs> Ronick and Peel Unplugged. We're excited about it because it's going to be a little different than a lot of the podcasts where they interview somebody and they drop the pot, you know, drop the episode whatever day. Uh, ours is going to be a set schedule. We're going to be on this app called Caffeine TV so people can actually watch it on their smart TVs at home. Oh, cool. And we're going to be on every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Central. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. He's, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun and and uh, and we're going we're just going to say it the way it is. Well, unfortunately, you, know? you guys won't be able to get any big name guests. That'll no, be one of the problems. No. Like it. I'm talking to him the other day. He's like, hey, you know, do you want to get Barkley on for the first episode? He, How you great know, would he that just be? Knows everybody, right? He yeah. knows everybody. And uh, so, yeah, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Did he chirp a lot to you? Uh, not to me. Uh, to some referees, there was a there was a, a referee, Blaine Angus. He eventually got fired. He wasn't a very good ref, and just uh, let it rip there, say Pilsy. It. I hate to say it, but he wasn't. And and uh, Jr. got high stick twice in one game that that this referee was working, Blaine Angus. And Jr. is just 
bleeding. He's filleted open. He's lost teeth, and and the ref missed both the calls. So Jr's on the bench, and he literally takes a water bottle and throws it at the ref. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did he get ejected? Did he get kicked he out? He got kicked out of that okay. game. Yeah, yeah. Are you still doing? I didn't know if you were still doing a camp for kids. We took this summer off, but I've done it for three years. Uh, we'll probably do it again next year. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's important to, to, we're trying to improve officiating in St. Louis and, uh, you know, it's, it's a problem all around the country and it's, it's, I get, I understand why parents do get frustrated now that I'm coaching and, and a parent because unfortunately at, at the lower levels, the officiating just isn't that strong. And sure. So it's just it's it's just the reality of it, and a lot of kids quit because of because of the abuse that they take from parents and that. And well, it's I love unfortunate. The, your idea of what they're doing in Canada by putting what you said it was a, a green, green a green armband instead yeah. of having orange ones on. I think it's a great idea. I mean, kid's twelve; he's ten years old trying to do this, right? And and, f- and figure it out, and, man. And you see it; you see it at. Football games, baseball games, hockey games. These parents getting into fights with each other. Like last year, we had a, we had a team in from Chicago, and I'm on the bench with Jamal Mayers and 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 Matt Lashoff. And the ref came over and he says, "These three men from Chicago parents, they're giving the finger to Crew Jamal's boy." And we're like. The kid's 10 years old. So wow. the game ends and game ends and the coaches go on the ice to shake the hands with the with the other coaches and high five the other team. And, and I just leave the bench. I didn't. And I and I'm walking by our parents and Tisha, my wife, knows that look. And she goes, don't don't do it. Don't do it. And I walked right over to them. and I said, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> right. These kids are 10 years old and you're giving them the finger. Like people are crazy now. It's unbelievable. And you see it at all, at all sporting, sporting events that the parents need to chill out. So I'll wrap it up with this. And this has been a, a great hour and we appreciate your time and, and being so open about everything in your personal life and what it's like on the ice. As you reflect on it now, it could be personal, could be on the ice professionally. What are you, what are you most proud of? It's a long NHL career, yeah, man. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's really not any. I think you just actually summed it up for me. It, a long career. It really isn't any one particular game. You know, I loved I loved working the outdoor game here at Bush Stadium. You know, living here and going to Cardinal games. I loved working the outdoor game at Wrigley Field. You know, going to baseball games, and then now we're, you're on the ice and and. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough. I was selected to work the Olympics and and uh, work the bronze medal game in 2014 between Finland and and uh, the United States. But I think it's just uh, it's an acc- accumulation of of or a culmination of my entire career is just longevity. And I was fortunate enough that I work the playoffs every year. So we have 34 refs, and you take 20 to the playoffs. The other 14 go home. And not that I was the best ref, but I I knew the the league uh, knew what they were getting. They're like, we can put Peel into the into the playoffs every year. So it was that consistency. That's what you want to strive for as a ref is you want the league to know they can count on you in a, in a whatever type of game it is. It's awesome. 
This has been fun, buddy. Well, I wish it was longer because I, I got to go I, home and cut the grass now. Okay, <laughs> I got to go cut a buddy's grass. <laughs> That's our lives right now. Exactly. Pretty exciting. This was great, man. Thanks, Danny. I love you, buddy. Love Thanks you for too, having buddy. me in. You bet. He's the best. Tim Peel. I'm Dan McLaughlin. This has been the Balloon Party and BK and Ferrario coming up next. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.